Commissioners. Hey, 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 how's it going? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Growing Out Catholic. Catholic. Yes. So glad um, to be back. We're we're super glad to be back. Hope you enjoyed uh, last week's episode. Yes, with Father Carlos. Wasn't it a lot of fun? It was a lot of fun. I love sitting him. down with him. I love listening to him all the time. I mean, geez, like the amount of, <laughs> of of stories that he like this the Samoa story alone was incredible. It was yes. just so much fun. Yeah, so. it was a lot of fun. Shout out to Father Carlos if he's listening to us right now. Yes, thank you so much for coming on again and being our first guest. First awesome. guest, yes. yes, always, always <laughs> gonna be first, always yes. gonna be that place of honor for Father Carlos. Um, so Taylor, like, how you been doing? Tell me about your week. What's going on? I've been doing good. I just came back from vacation in Fort Worth. That's visiting right. One of my best friend James. A shout out to James. Shout out to James, especially he's been listening to our podcast too. Yes, James. So. <laughs> All right. So that was nice. It was you know relaxing. It was a nice getaway before busy season starts. For me, and you know, now I'm just kind of prepping for Advent and Christmas and Lent and Easter. It, I mean, we we bury him, or I'm sorry, we don't bury him. He's born, and then see, yeah, I'm already going crazy. First. Don't yeah, bury we him don't, first. Yeah, I we he's born, and then a couple of months later, we're burying him. So yeah, you know, exactly. It's kind of a quick quick life. But spoiler alert, he makes it back. He makes it back. He comes back. He comes back. Big spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> It's a close one. It's a close it one. Keeps you in a hanging. Yes. But, but he I, I saw a thing on Facebook today that says the gist of it was the Satan thought Satan thought he won, but <laughs> even three days later, he he didn't. That's hilarious. <laughs> Some something That's like hilarious. that. That's not exactly what it said, but you get you get the point. <laughs> Uh, kind, of they, a, kind of an interesting meme because we're in the middle of presidential elections. So. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Didn't, I'm not making any... <laughs> it, no, I'm not going oh, down gosh. that path. Yeah, let's, let's, not, let's not drive ourselves crazy No, with all of that. Please. But hey, let's uh, talk about happy church Interesting things. that you mentioned <laughs> Advent, Christmas... Is it? Lent, and all of this stuff. Oh, man, because, why is that interesting? You know... <laughs> Our episode this week is about, and you guessed it, liturgical calendar. Yes, yes, the liturgical year. The liturgical year, and so you know, so you've you heard these these names before, Advent and Christmas, yes, and, right? You know, if you've been involved with the church for a long enough time, you figured out that they are liturgical seasons, correct? Right, absolutely. Um, so. We wanted to, you know, we, we kind of, as, as we're t- we were sitting and planning out, uh, you know, our episodes, we were talking about how it was kind of important to us to uh, give you all or all of our bro rationers out there some, some cool information about the way the church works and the way the church is structured. And I feel like one of the most obvious ways and most visible ways is the way it changes right. throughout the year. And let's be honest, too, we kind of picked this topic because... Both of us are going to nerd out on this topic. <laughs> we're going to nerd out so much. Okay, bro. Parishioners, we're going yes. yes. to bro so, and out I mean, so much about and this it. And this is a good topic for, what is it, December 4th, December 5th, something like that. November. Did I say no. December? <laughs> I was going to say, are we a whole month ahead now? <laughs> Sorry. No, November 4th, 5th, 6th, wherever we are. Yeah. Um, because we're getting ready to reach the end of our 
liturgical year with the feast of or sem- solemnity of of Christ. The this King. was geniusly planned yes. by your broadcasters. No, guys. no, no. There are no, no coincidences. No, no coincidence. Here. There we go. I was like, <laughs> dead air. I, what am I trying to say? <laughs> there are no coincidences here, guys. This is just coldly calculated. Yes. So um, if you're if you're wondering why the the name of this episode is, you know, all the colors is that that's why is it's about Bro, the liturgical year. All the colors. Bro, yes. All the colors. All the colors, all the things. Yeah. And we're gonna get into the colors a little bit, but you know, we felt like maybe that was like the most the most obvious visible sign that there's something changing right. throughout the year. Right. right. So uh anyway, uh so one of the first things that I think we should just talk about is like, okay, so what is this concept of a liturgical year, year because it's not it's not the same as a calendar year no right not at all no and there's two different there's two ways in which is different yes okay yes so one i mean the the liturgical calendar the year is basically how we organize the seasons of of the church yes and you know like you were saying it's it doesn't follow a calendar year so it always the liturgical year always starts with the first sunday of advent and then ends the week before the first sunday of advent also known that's when we uh celebrate the solemnity of christ the king so you know just like a calendar year you know instead of one night we have New Year's Eve, and then the next day we have the New Year. One Sunday we have the Solemnity of Christ, Christ the, the King, King which, which is the last thing. Ends the year, and then you have the first Sunday of Advent the next week, which begins. So I, parishioners, I know you're you're thinking of it because I've been thinking of it. You're like, but what about the week in between? Like, is that the old year? Is that is that the new year? Stay tuned. And I'm, yeah, I was going to say, I don't even know if I want to touch that because <laughs> I've been thinking about it too and it's kind of mind blowing me. But yeah. Um, so, that, so that's why, you know, that, or that's how the, the, the year is, yes. is lined up. So it, from, for the most part, it's, you know, November to November, sometimes November to December. It just depends on where Christ the King falls where christmas falls because advent is always four weeks correct before christmas and then you have those off years where the fourth sunday of advent is also christmas eve not gonna yes. get into that one yes. <laughs> yes that's that's actually yeah you're right it's that, an interesting yeah yeah way it shifted and maybe right. we can talk about it a little bit right. more so uh so like that's the first way so in that, which is different from a calendar a year calendar is year. that it doesn't right. it doesn't start on january 1st, 1st right it starts with the first sunday of advent right right so that's kind of okay so that's one aspect of this calendar that is is different right now one interesting thing that you talked to me about yesterday uh, as we were kind of planning the episode is the other way in which this calendar is different from a calendar year is the way that it is depicted right Oh, yeah. Well, so before I get to that, before I get to that, so part of the reason why we organize the calendar the way we organize it into seasons uh, is so that we make sure that we celebrate and cover the full mystery of Christ from him being born to him dying 
to him rising. So from birth to to ascension. Yeah. And then we also it's built in this way as well, not only to cover the full mystery of Christ, but also of uh, Mary and the other feasts and solemnities that we have by tradition accumulated uh, through you know the two thousand years of the church. Yes. <laughs> no, and so and that's such an interesting aspect of it because it is because many people will think like, well, why don't we just why do, why isn't it just structured around the calendar year? Like, why do you why do you have to have a different start point than, than right. the calendar year? But but really, it does come down to um, it's it's based on the major you know feast days that have been established throughout history. And we're talking right. we talk we'll talk a little bit more about that. Right, and but it and it really is. The, the center of the calendar is Easter. Easter, is, yes. Is the tritium. Yes. Um, so from there, you know, that that's the, kind of the focal point. And then everything else kind of yeah. billowed out around it. And a little idea that I just had, you know, it's, it's sort of very beautiful how it's not, it's not so much the birth of Christ that is the starting point, but is the period before that. It's like... Mm-hmm. The expectation of yes. the birth of Christ is where we oh, start getting all sorts of year. Advent ideas and chills uh, and yes, isn't, <laughs> it, isn't that amazing? Um, and and we're we're planning on doing an Advent episode, right. so we're not going to get too much of it. Right. I, I just thought about it in terms, for example, like in terms of, for example, from a from a um, from a life standpoint, from a pro life standpoint, it's like you know mm-hmm. even even the the con, the conception of christ and, and the the expectation of his birth is, birth. is being commemorated and observed and, and everything jumping in the womb of elizabeth yep. exactly yep. it's like it's just it's just such a it's like such a beautiful yeah. concept that the john church... john the baptist i just realized this john the baptist is the ultimate brillishener that we have because like from conception he knew he knew he knew like yes. mary came and visited elizabeth and John the Baptist was like, yo, yeah. bro, like, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. Oh, man. We could probably do a whole episode on oh, John the Baptist. We could. Because, but we're, we're, well, yeah, we're really, yeah. we're really we're going down the rabbit hole We're here. really rabbit holing right now. Uh, okay. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so that, that's why the, the church has the year. And that's why it's broken up the way. Now, so before I added that little tidbit in, you, you asked why it's the shape. So the liturgical calendar is usually depicted as a circle. Um, yes. With so it, it looks kind of like you know take you know your normal calendar with its you know all the boxes for for the squares of the days and all of that you know still set up that way but it's in a circle obviously you know like a clock Advent is at advent is at noon and then we go you know clockwise around uh through the seasons so you know a couple of of meanings there so it's a circle but it's also you know if you look at it it's kind of a spiral as well Mm. um just because with all the lines and everything and then it gets you know smaller as you go into the middle there's the little circle and then there's the big circle um of the calendar so it's it's a circle it's a spiral so the the circle shape is obviously you know continuous you know the life of christ is continuous even though he was born lived died rose 
guess what? He's been doing that every day for the last 2,000 years because that's what we celebrate in the church. Yes. So that's important because, you know, Christ is never ending. The church is never ending. The mystery is never, never ending. All, all the things, all the circles. But then, you know, also I, I just kind of thought about this. And this may not be liturgical, but it's a really cool idea. You know, the spiral sense of it as well, it's almost like, almost like a double spiral, really, because you start off wide in Advent, and you start, you go through Christmas, you spiral, you spiral, and then you hit the tritium, which is the shortest season in, in the liturgical calendar, because it's only three days. So you hit, you hit the, that smallest point of the spiral, the apex of our year, but also the, the reason why, why we are, why we're a church. So you get that into that very tight spiral. You, you know, we're spiraling into the passion, and then he rises, and then we start expanding out again into one of our longest seasons, Easter season, 50 days, and then back into that long period of, of ordinary time, and then we're back at, at Advent. So that, that's also a cool symbolism yeah, is, that, is. is that, that spiral. And then I just kind of came up with that. It's like, oh, it's like spiraling into his death. And then we spiral right back <laughs> out. Yeah, so, so if the uh, bishops uh, and the, you know, the yeah, College of Cardinals out there are listening, please don't you should really consider me. this. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't really... excommunicate me before this. <laughs> <laughs> you should really consider this, this interpretation. That yes, Taylor please. Does. Actually, I think that is a really cool concept to... to yeah, I, I literally you just know. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good thought. It's a good idea. Yeah, thank um, you. And just to, to clarify, for those of you who, who don't know, Tridium is, is that part of Holy Week that, uh, that starts with, with Holy Thursday yeah. and then goes into Good Friday and then the Easter Vigil. Yes. Right. Now, did you know, fun fact about the Tridium, technically, and I didn't know this before, shout out to liturgy training publications and my liturgy course, but it actually... The three days is one continual, you know, liturgy, like you said, from, from Holy Thursday starting. But it actually does not end until Vespers on Easter Sunday. That's ah. technically the end of, of the Tritium, which I don't think a lot of people know. I know I didn't because I was always told, well, it's the Tritium. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And, and what are the Vespers? Just so really quick. Vespers uh, is another way of saying evening prayer. So if you're following the liturgy of the hours, which go back and do your homework, Brewishness. We talked about that before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's in there, episode two. Um, but so if you're following the uh, liturgy of the hours, you start off with morning prayer, then you have midday prayer, and then you end with evening prayer. So that's evening prayer slash vespers. I'm so glad you took that liturgical. Me that too. Liturgical curse, <laughs> not curse, curse. Course. So another another little tidbit that I'm over here looking at my notes here of what we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> and so another reason why the the shape is a circle is there's two, two cycles that, that we focus on. Uh, one is the temporal cycle, so temporal time, 
Yes. And basically what that, the temporal cycle, is the portion of the liturgical year that pertains to the liturgical times. English majors don't get on to me because, yes, I know I use the, the word in the definition. Um, but basically what, I'm, what we're talking about there is the seasons. The temporal cycle are the, the continuous movement of, of the seasons. Yeah, so basically the part that where you move from Advent to Christmas, Christmas. from Christmas to yeah, know, and you the move, you know, you like yeah, and you move from you know, feast of Car blessed Carlo Acutis. I said that just because that was the first <laughs> thing that popped into yes. my head to, you know, the thirty second Sunday in ordinary time to you know, right. San Martin de Porres. That's the that's the the temporal aspect of it, and then the other aspect aspect of it is the sanctoral cycle so sanctoral sanctity holy um saints saints yeah so that is used to uh, refer to the portion of the liturgical calendar that pertains to the commemoration of the saints uh the celebrations of the lord uh and mary and then also associated with uh specific dates as well so you know immaculate conception you know feast solemnity of you know whatever saint you know what whatever that is that that is the sanctoral cycle that's correct and then one one interesting uh bit of information that, that you told me about yesterday is that you know um these solemnities uh, uh some of them are were have been declared just throughout the history of the church right uh as popes canonized saints Right. Uh, and declare certain days as their feast day. Right. But then the, there are uh, the feast days that are proclaimed by the local parishes as far as, for example, like uh, you were telling me, give me the example yesterday of like, you know, if there is a, a the parish of St. Thomas the Apostle. So like St. Right. Thomas the Apostle, you know, marks, you know, the the day which commemorates St. Thomas the it's, Apostle right. as the feast day and the solemnity of St. Thomas the Apostle and that church celebrates it. Right. So basically what so what Luis is, is referring to Real Assembly is so there there's three kind of hierarchical hierarchical I can't talk. Hierarchical, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh you know, steps to this. So, you know, there are some feasts and days that are set, you know, especially the the days that commemorate our Lord and most of them that also commemorate Mary. Um, those are usually set by the Pope with an ecumenical council, you know, and those, you know, you don't, you don't touch those. And then the next step is obviously the, the Pope has the authority to declare feast days, uh, for, you know, new saints, new blesseds, uh, you know, or, you know, he may just be like, I want, you know, this specific devotion to Mary to become, you know, a feast and, you know, and he can create that. Um, but he, there's also another aspect that the, each individual diocese, each individual diocese, sorry, I looked at my phone to look at something and someone sent me something funny. <laughs> um, so each individual diocese can create their own feasts and solemnities for that specific diocese. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we live in San Antonio, yes. Texas. 
so technically on the feast of san antonio that can be a solemnity for the city and our archdiocese because it's the patron saint of the city so we can celebrate that in in a special way uh, and that will be that's a feast day that will only pertain to San Antonio, the Archdiocese of San Antonio, as well. Uh, so going along with that, you mentioned like a parish, you know, St. Thomas the Apostle. Oops, sorry, I hitting my microphone, y'all. Uh, St. Thomas the Apostle, for example. So each individual parish, whoever your patron is, that day that their feast is can become a solemnity and that pertains that solemnity that feast will only pertain to that parish so there there's some wiggle room and and it's what i was looking up on the internet is there's something called an ordo and i cannot remember what it stands for so that's what i was trying to to look up but basically it's it's the order of um how we celebrate, mm -hmm. you know, what we celebrate, why we celebrate, what, I mean, it gives you everything, you know, what, how to set the Roman Missal for mass, but, you know, what vestments to wear, all of that, what the colors should be, all of that stuff. But each diocese or groups of dioceses have their own order. And the reason for that is because within each diocese, there are these different feasts that are celebrated in different solemnities. So these ordos are for those dioceses to know, okay, this is what I need to be celebrating this day. Uh, you know, and it also gives you, you know, all the optional memorials, and then it tells you, no, this is a required memorial. But then, you know, depending on the diocese that you, you're in, it will also say, okay, no, on this day, the Archdiocese of San Antonio is celebrating the feast of, of St. Anthony. Um, so that that's a little resource that, that we all use. We have like six in our parish yeah. scattered about. Yeah. Um, now, now, for the most part, the entire church throughout the whole world follows basically the same calendar and observes... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and not, and, not, and, everything. and not basically. I mean... They do. They do, yes. I mean, the only, probably the only... Maybe some regional differences here and there. Regional differences on, you know, again, those specific diocesan and stuff, yeah. um, celebrations. The only exception that I can think of where there may be a difference is the ascension of the Lord. The ascension of the Lord in some dioceses is actually celebrated on a Thursday and is therefore a holy day of obligation. But most churches, most dioceses, will, that's a, called a movable feast, a movable, mm. uh, a transferable solemnity, mm -hmm. where that feast of the ascension of the Lord can be moved to a Sunday. And that's what most diocese sure is, is they move that just to, easier for it, everybody to it, yeah. attend participate i don't like those words because you know it shouldn't be easy we shouldn't make it easier you should want to come to church um 
sorry, I'm stepping on a whole other soapbox there. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it is, you know, to make it a little bit more accessible, accessible, more, more convenient as much as I hate using that word. Um, because, and, and the reason for that, especially in the U S is, you know, if it's a holy day of obligation, well, our liturgical calendar doesn't sync up with, you know, the normal fiscal calendar, I guess you could call it. So even though we're Catholic and we have a holy day of obligation, well, we still have to work. And you may not be at a company or have a boss that is able to let you off to go to church. So that's why, you know, we also remove it. But, you know, when you get to that point, you'll see on the calendar, uh, it's listed on a Thursday, but it says, there's an asterisk, and it says only celebrated on Thursday in these specific dioceses. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it, it notes the rest, you know, this feast, besides those dioceses, the feast is transferred to, to Sunday. Awesome. Cool. Um, so one of the things that I think are, are most uh, visible about the, the changing seasons in the liturgical calendar are, are the colors, colors, the colors, um, ding, 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 that, uh, that are used. I have the colores playing through my head now. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Good, good tune too. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that we wanted to talk about a little bit about the different colors that are used. Right. Um, for example, so... What so they mean. What they mean. Um, what they symbolize. Exactly. So right. um, the first one that, that starts off the year is, is... It can be two different colors. Yes. Um, so we were talking about purple being the color for Advent. Correct. But in some instances or some parishes or dioceses, they can also use blue, right? Royal so, blue, correct. Okay, and that royal blue should royal. be a clue. Should be a clue, yes. <laughs> um, so, um, so the so the thing about this this Advent season is that we are actually in a season of preparation. Mm-hmm. We are getting ourselves ready to receive Christ in our lives, in our hearts. Um, the, the symbolism of, of Christ coming to earth. Right. Um, you in know. human flesh. In the human flesh. And so um, the, the Advent season is a season of preparation, preparing yourself mentally, emotionally, um, spiritually. Right. For the coming of Christ. It's also a season of penance. Also a season of penance. Yes. Yes. It's a penitential um, season. Yes. Um, which also plays into the color. Which, uh, yeah, it does. And uh, you're right. There is that, that famous um, that fa- uh, that quote from, from the gospel of St. John saying, you know, a voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that, like, oh, oh, you're, sorry, you're getting me. I'm about to spiral. Sorry, that, that's the theme <laughs> at St. Thomas for Advent. Um, yes. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. So. I'm glad you mentioned it. And that's actually. Is that from John? I, I think it's in John. I believe I you have it. I believe the scripture that we're using, the full scripture, I think, is from Isaiah. I think. Yeah. Well. Um, but it, it is in John. It is in John. Yes. As well. Um, and so, I'm trying to think. Maybe it's in Mark also. Because I, I, I think there's a, one of the Gospels that actually starts 
Yeah. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. With John the Baptist saying that. Yes. Um, anyways, we digress. Yeah, digress. Fact we're, check we're, me on Google, bro, <laughs> bro assembly. Fact check me, please. Um, but but so it is a, a season of penance, a season of preparation, of expectation. Yeah. And and that the is expectation, why expectation, pregnant, expecting. <laughs> yes. You, yes. You're making con- we, connection, we, bro, missionaries. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Get the theme here. So. <laughs> So that's why that's one of the main reasons why the the, the color is purple because it, uh, the color purple symbolizes that right. that expectation and that preparation and that preparation that way. But there's also one one cool aspect and another meaning to the color purple and the color blue, correct? Right. So the other meaning to to the color purple, and I hope this is where you're you're going with this, Luis. Um, you know, is it is a color of penance. So whenever you go. To, to confession, so that's the color for, for Advent, for Lent, uh, but also when you go and receive the Sacrament of Reconciliation, you might be too nervous. I know I am to notice this sometimes, but it's okay to be nervous before confession. But the priest wears a purple stole for, yes. for confession. Yes. So that, that's where it comes from as well. Yes. Um, I don't um, know if that's what you were referring to. I was actually purple. thinking about the fact that... Oh, is uh, it, that it's a royal color? That it's a royal color. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that it, yes. That it's so, uh, traditionally associated with uh, the nobility, the royalty, yes. with kings. With kings, and, absolutely. And so, yeah. And so, so that's... Yeah. Yeah. So, so Christ being king, king. Uh, yep. in the church, uh, that's one of the other reasons why. Why. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a royal color. And so... And then Luis also mentioned uh, blue. Yes. Now, so this is where I'm really going to get into my, my liturgist <laughs> mode. Um, so a, a lot of times you will see Advent candles that are either purple and pink or blue and pink. And my preference, I prefer the royal blue. One, you know, again, blue, it's a, a symbol of royalty, you know, nobility. So an excellent color for our king to wear, Christ to wear. Um, I pref- So, opinion time. I prefer blue because in pl- as a liturgist in planning the seasons, I like to make that, that, differ- that, that difference. I, I like to show that difference between Advent and Lent. You know, I, I want it to be very apparent that Yes, both seasons are seasons of, of waiting and, and penance and expectation, but there's two very different meanings. And so part of the reason why blue can be used for Advent is blue is also the color for Mary. You know, anytime mm-hmm. you see, you know, a depiction of Mary, uh, she's, she always has, you know, blue on. Um, Partly because, you know, being the mother of God, she is also considered to be noble yeah. and, you know, of royalty. Um, but I like, I like using blue for Advent as well because, one, it, it shows, you know, that connection to Mary as well. You know, Advent is very much a Marian season because... One, we have like two or three Marian feast days in four <laughs> weeks. Um, but, you know, it's it's all about her carrying Christ. 
So that's why I like I like to use blue um, as well as you know to kind of make that difference between Advent and Lent, but also to show that symbolism that it's also a very a a very Marian uh, season. Now, just side note. If any of y'all come visit me at St. Thomas during Advent, yes, we use purple, so don't judge me. It's just not something that I have changed. So don't, don't call me out on that if you listen to this episode and then you go to my parish and you see purple. Um, but Please call him out on it. Please <laughs> go up to him and be like, Taylor, I thought you said you wanted this to be different for the seasons what is going on um no so, that's, some, sometimes you don't win every 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 battle in yeah. in the parish that but you that's want, that's but. actually uh that's actually a really good uh pro tip from taylor to all our liturgists who are listening um you know tr- uh, having the option to strike a distinction between right. the two seasons right um and also kind of adds to to the environment and the symbolism that you're trying to emphasize. And so one thing that I should mention too, um, we should talk about the pink. Uh, okay, as sure. Well, because that, that is a liturgical color. So, and so technically it's not pink, it's rose. Um, and that happens, so in Advent, it's the third Sunday. And it's not rosé. It's, it's not rosé, it's rose. Rosé is what we're having after this episode. Exactly. <laughs> Shout, but shout out to 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 the my favorite winery out there. Um, <laughs> they know who they are. They know who they are. So so the rose happens on a very specific Sunday, and that Sunday is called during Advent. It's called uh, Gaudete, Gaudete Sunday. Sunday. And so the the priest will has the option of wearing um, a rose uh, chasuble, and in in all of this in this season of of penance of waiting we get one sunday where we get to rejoice and we get to have joy and if you if you're following each advent candle has a theme right and the theme of the pink candle the rose candle is joy coming from gaudete sunday uh so we get one Sunday where we get to have that. And that also happens during Lent. Um, I want to say it is the fourth or fifth Sunday of Lent that that rose reappears, that rose color, and it's called Leitare Sunday. Leitare Sunday. Yeah. Again, a Sunday of rejoicing. Fun tidbit about this Sunday in Lent, not only do we get to wear rose, the vestments get to be rose-colored, but that is the one Sunday in Lent where it is acceptable to have altar flowers and make, you know, have a little bit more joyful music. So it, it really gives us that break, especially in Lent. It gives us that break in waiting and, and penance. You know, it's it's kind of like this is kind of a dark analogy, but it's kind of like going through that, that dark tunnel and you think you see the light, but it's only a, a ringworm glowing on, on the ceiling. Like I said, you're, you're looking I at I have me. no idea <laughs> what you're talking about. So I, I'm going back to like high school days Oh, here. gotcha. Okay. English, English teacher. Um, 
but you know, it, or, you know, or it's the you know the light tunnel, and you're like, oh, I'm finally at the end, but it's just a firefly. Sure, sure, it's it's uh it's um oh I see what I see what you mean. So so it's it's not the light, it's not the end, it's just a little taste of what the end is. Yes, yes, or in this case, the beginning. Or yes, or the beginning. Good, yeah, good. Yes, thank you. Good I took circle. it out of a dark place for you. Did yeah, you notice thank that? You. Yes, thank did you. Did you notice how? Yeah, <laughs> I did. I think I did. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> so, uh, so that's super interesting. So now, now, um, so once we get out of of Advent, mm-hmm. um, then we go into the Christmas season, and and this is obviously the first of of a major, uh, the first of two really major seasons of the church. Right. Um, and and now we switch our color to to white, white and gold and gold um and tell us a little bit about that so white and gold well not really gold but white you know represents resurrection you know it's pure it's unblemished so one you know in christmas you using white you kind of have that foreshadowing already of of the resurrection but white you know is also new birth and you know, purity, it, it's unblemished, so it's very representative of, of the Christ child. You know, he was born without sin. Uh, you know, he came to save us. He came to be our resurrection. Um, other times that white and gold are used as well, you know, Christmas, but also Easter's. Also Easter, I don't know why I made that plural. Um, <laughs> but it's also used on feasts and solemnities and this is a very catholic thing i feel and it it breaks kind of from social tradition but we also use white at funerals and we use the white at funerals because it's representative of of resurrection Mm -hmm. you know that person has gone from this life and you know now has 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 their eternal reward yes uh in heaven so that those are the times that we use use white and gold yeah, and so um, that's kind of that's kind of interesting, um, and it kind of reinforces um, our identity as as a, a church of, of life, a people of the of of the resurrection of right. Easter people, which right? also flows in beautifully to one of the other colors that we'll get to in a minute. Yes, yes, <laughs> um, and so definitely. So, yeah. So from so from there, from you know, from white. We also have red, and red we only see, you know, a couple of times a year, um, as far as major things go. So red is used on Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Pentecost, and also confirmation. Little side note on that that I'll get into. Um, so the the symbolism behind red is, you know, it's it's symbolic of passion and it's symbolic of blood so bill Richner's that all points to good friday and, and christ dying on the cross for us so that's why it's red on it's worn on uh palm sunday because we're entering into christ's passion and then obviously it's worn on good friday because we are in the midst of him dying we're we're looking directly to the cross and his passion um it's also used at at pentecost red is also a symbol for for the holy spirit because fire 
Um, yes. So yes, it, in fact, in the um, in the gospel, one of the first depictions of the Holy Spirit descending upon the apostles is this depiction of fire. Is tongues of fire. Yep. Tongues of fire. Yep. yep. St. Jude is always depicted still exactly. in his statues with, with the, the Holy Spirit on top of his head. Yes. Uh, so it's all, like I said, it's also used for confirmation. Um, depends on when you celebrate your confirmation mass. So com- obviously since red is symbolic of the Holy Spirit and confirmation is the sacrament of you receiving the Holy Spirit, that is the, the correct liturgical color for that Mass. However, it is only used if you are celebrating Confirmation Mass outside of a Sunday Mass. If you celebrate Confirmation with, you know, say the second Sunday of Easter. Or the, during Easter Vigil. Or, or during Easter Vigil if you're doing RCIA. Sorry, I, I was thinking only high schoolers. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, if you, if you celebrate it outside of the Sunday liturgy, you can use red. If you celebrate it within Then a, it has to be the liturgy, color of the season. Then it has to be the color of the season. Uh, you know, that color will always trump whatever mm-hmm, m- mm-hmm. minor celeb- solemnity you're, you're celebrating. Uh, and so and it's also used on the Feast of the Martyrs. Again, passion, blood, the martyrs died for the church. Uh, which then leads us into our last color. Or, I'm sorry, Luis, do you have anything on red? Um, no, no. Um, I think that it's interesting that um, to see like all of these uh, changes in colors, especially considering like the history um, of the church, red was probably one of the first liturgical mm-hmm. colors that were consistently used. Right. Um, and and you see it everywhere. You see it. You see it worn by by bishops and by cardinals, right? Uh, because the that there's still that um, the Holy Spirit is with them. With them, yes. You know, yes. Th- throughout the entirety of of, of their service yep. with Absolutely. the church. Absolutely. Um, so I, that's just one of the the, the things that kind of grabbed my attention about it. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. You're right. That's a good point. Never thought about it that way actually i know i have like super interesting things to say too yeah you do i know (laughs) (laughs) uh so that that brings us into our final color which is green which you see in ordinary time and green so like what color was it white no Uh was it white that was you'll pick up on what i'm saying i I can't remember what color it was but so green is also a color of anticipation. It symbolizes hope in the in the resurrection of Christ, and it also symbolizes hope and life of each day. So we we see green in ordinary time, which in we call it ordinary time, but it really is not ordinary because you know if you you listen back to the beginning of what we said about the, the liturgical year and it's celebrating the mystery of Christ. So the, the liturgical calendar celebrates the mystery of Christ. And obviously, you know, at Christmas, Easter, that's the ultimate, you know, those are the ultimate seasons where we're, we're celebrating that mystery. But ordinary time, we are living that mystery because mm-hmm. in ordinary time, we may not be celebrating a specific mystery. You know, we may, it may not be Transfiguration Sunday. You know, it may not be the Ascension of the Lord. 
but in every mass we're still celebrating the resurrection through through mass through the consecration so that's why i always say ordinary time really is not ordinary because we're still celebrating the resurrection in yeah. in the most powerful and biggest way because christ through his death gave us the church and gave us communion um yeah, so, yeah. so to all of my parishioners out there, if you dread ordinary time, yes, it can be really mundane, especially if you have a pastoral musician that doesn't plan a lot of music during that time <laughs> or plans a lot of the same music, then yes, I get it. But just remember what I said. It's not ordinary because you're still, that's the ultimate celebration of, of Christ um, through celebrating his resurrection. Um, so that's what... I was going to get at is it ties into purple because purple is also that color of expecting and anticipation. So, you know, it, it's fitting that we go from green in, right into purple, Yeah. Uh, you know, from ordinary time into, into Advent. And Lent too. Right? And Lent. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I think that when it comes to ordinary time, it's such an underrated it really of is. the liturgical year because it really is uh, truly um, is where where we get to we get to revisit Christ's ministry yep. on earth absolutely and, and you know in, in many ways it, to me it feels like one of the most important aspects of of the life of Christ is is what he did while he was alive and right. what he did well well. Or not while he was alive, but while he was on Earth, um, and and yeah, the spoiler, the, he's still alive. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> and what he left us in terms of, of teachings, in terms of, of revelation about you know God's plan mm -hmm. for us and God's truth for us, um, and and honestly, I mean, I I love I love Tritium. Tritium is, is one of my, my favorite, favorite times of year. Favorite. It has Mine some too. of the most beautiful music. Mm -hmm. And sights and smells. Stay tuned, yes. listeners. We're not going away. You're definitely going to get a Tritium episode from this podcast. But most, and it's going to be beautiful. Most of the richness of the church and most of the, of the richness of, of the, the, the history and tradition of the church comes from, from that ordinary time and comes right. from, from what, we've, what, what we um, commemorate and revisit every Sunday, you know, in between all these major seasons. Right. So, cool deal. Absolutely. All right, man. <laughs> so much. So much. Who yeah. Knew, who, knew, um, who knew, bro, listeners, there was so much to all the colors. Yeah, who knew? Who knew, bro, listeners? And you know what? If you have any, any cool insight, any comments that you want to uh, make to us about the liturgical calendar, the liturgical year, maybe some of the history that you know that you want to share with us, you know, uh, go ahead and write us. Uh, right on our Facebook page. Y'all, I'm going to call out our business really quick. Our Facebook page, our email, it's been pretty dry since we started all of this. We so feel a little neglected. We, we feel a little neglected. Saying. Not really, but seriously, interact with us. We, we don't bite. I promise. Well, maybe Luis, but he doesn't. But it's heart. like a nibble. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but no, seriously, we'd love to hear from you. Honestly, love to hear from um, you. Interact with us. The the more the more you, feedback you give us, the more the more you talk to us, the better our episodes are going to be. Because exactly, because we'll be able be... to give you a shout out, like your very own shout out, your very own shout out yes. at the very beginning. You don't have to be special like Father Carlos. Yes. You don't have to be like. You know, super buddy buddy with us, like Alora. Right. <laughs> as, as we're dropping all of these. As we're names. dropping all these names. <laughs> you know, you can send us a comment. We can be like, you know what? So and so from France. France. Yeah. Shout out to shout our out French. To, Fran- to France. To Yo. our French visitor. French um, viewer. Listener. Listener. Sorry. <laughs> it's Sorry, been a long day, y'all. It's been a long day. Um. And, and, you know, we can give you a little quick shout-out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, write to us at broinoutcatholic at gmail.com. Our Facebook is uh, facebook.com ad, slash Catholic yes. or slash broinoutcatholic. Yes. Um, send us your comments. Let us know what you think. Um, well, we're coming towards the end of the show, uh, and uh, we have our last section of the day. Yes, Which is exciting. the bro-Catholic of, of the, the day. day. Yes, yes. Take and, it away, Luis. Thank you to Taylor, who's been doing such a great job with this section. Oh, thanks. And um, he's been, uh, you know, he took care of the last few ones. But today, it's my turn. It's Luis's Bro turn. Assembly. Get ready, because we're going to talk about uh, one of the, uh, one of my favorite uh, saints, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much symbolism, so much to his life, um, and so much that he represents nowadays. And he, and he is a, a saint from Latin America, which uh, endears him even more so to my heart. Absolutely. Uh, and he's Peruvian. He is Peruvian. He is Peruvian. And now it's... God, I would love bros- to go to Peru. Uh, oh, my God. Can uh. you imagine? Yes. It would be amazing. <laughs> and now our bro assemblies gears are, are starting I to turn. turn and they're like, right? hey, I think I know who you're talking about. Right. Um, but today we're going to be talking about St. Martin the Porres. Um, San Martin de Porres, uh, who was a, um, he was a uh, religious, he, I, so you know, yes. I, you know what I learned is that, What's that? he, by the laws of the, the Viceroyalty of Peru, Peru was under the control of um, Spain right. back in those days. We're talking about the, the late um, 1500s, <laughs> early 1600s. Uh, by the laws of of the viceroyalty of Peru, um, you could not join a religious order if you were someone of uh, mixed race or, oh, or African right. or native descent. Right. I remember that. Um, so he couldn't actually formally join the Dominican order. Order, right. Um, but what he did is that he went to the Dominican um Dominican uh, Brotherhood back then, and and told him, hey, you know, could you take me in as someone who is you know doing chores around the house, who is you know kind of like just helping out around right. here. Um, as, but side note, I really want to join the order. <laughs> but side note, like this is I, I can't by law, but like I really want to join the order. Yeah. Um, and so they they allowed him to do that, and they kind of awesome. took him in. And yeah, it's so so cool. And and I think um, I don't want to be wrong about this, but I think the Dominican Order now recognizes him as you know as somebody who was actually as, actually a Dominican. Um, and so and they would call the the people that that would join the houses uh, or the, the the religious orders, but could not by law because of their descent, they would call them donados. 
Like, okay. Like they were donated. Donated, yeah. Um, to the order. So I thought that was that was kind of that's really interesting. interesting. That was kind of interesting. And so, anyways, because of his history, you know, he has a really interesting upbringing. So obviously, so his dad, his father was uh, pure blood Spanish, right? And his, his mother was half African descent, mm. half native, indigenous right. descent. Um, so he was a, a mixed race person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of our only mixed race saints too. Uh, I yeah, possibly. I, I possibly. Say. I I don't know. I, I don't know exactly, numbers. but maybe there's more. But but yeah. Um, and so he um, so he was you know he obviously he grew up in poverty. Um, you know he was sort of an illegitimate son. Mm-hmm. Uh, was born outside of marriage. Right. And um, so by the standards of the day, you know, illegitimate by the standards of the day. And so so he grew up in poverty. Obviously, only raised by his mother. And um, he had a hard time obtaining an education. He did go to school for a few years. Right. Um, but, you know, um, when he, he was growing up, his mother was able to get him to do some sort of internship with a surgeon. Um, really? Yes, a surgeon from, oh, wow. uh, from Lima for a couple of years after, after doing primary school. Um, and so he would, you know, uh, you know, so he got a little bit of, of medical education for a little bit. Um, so he is the patron saint of, of public health. Public health. Um, mm, interesting. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> it's 2020. 20. Why is that important? Why is that important? Um, and is, he's also uh, the patron saint of, of mixed race uh, individuals uh, and, and also um, a... A patron saint for uh, racial equality, equality, and racial Again, justice. Again, very, very, very interesting for the times for that we live times. in. Um, and it's, it's, um, he was, his, he kind of rose to fame during his time mm-hmm. because he was, um, he was observed to perform all kinds of miracles, miracles, uh, things like levitation and right. uh, people, you know, people claim that he was able to speak to animals and, and things like that. Um, and he was an outspoken, you know, sorry. So, so side note, y'all, Disney did not create speaking to animals. It was San Martin de Porres. <laughs> it was San Martin just, de Porres. Just, just, you know, throwing that out there. Not Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> um, but, uh, one cool fact, he was actually very good friends with another saint of the time. Yes. And you might've guessed it. St. Rose of Lima. Lima. Lima, Lima, Peru. Lima, Peru. No, no. Uh, you know. You know. <laughs> uh, no so I thought that was super. That's really that was cool. Kind of really, really cool. I mean, could you imagine like being up in heaven and because I Saint. I mean, obviously they lived around you know the same time. I'm not sure when Saint Rose of Lima passed away. For, you know, compared to San Martin, but could you imagine like when the you know, one of them gets up into heaven and then the next one comes up and was like, hey, like we were friends and now we're both saints. Like, you know, handshake, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? I mean, that would just be such a cool interaction. Oh right my there. God, yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's, that's really cool. I didn't think about that. Um, but, but he, you know, um, he actually uh, was very prone to fasting mm-hmm. and very prone to veneration of the Blessed Sacrament. 
He would yes. spend hours, hours in veneration of the Blessed Sacrament, which is um, when he would have these um, levitation mm-hmm. experiences, uh, kind of kind of like an, in the way of the mystics, right? Um, back in the day, and so you know, uh, a lot of his ministry was about feeding the poor, right? And uh, which is, isn't he sometimes depicted with? Carrying a basket of bread loaves. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. I was gonna say. Uh-huh. I think that's... Yeah. Uh, because of that. Because, because of, of that, giving yeah. alms for the poor and and, right. and, and and his dedication to feeding the poor, uh, especially um, the the native and African Can population people. of the time, right? Uh, which tended to be neglected by by the Spaniard right. um, government at the time. Um, he um, obviously he, there was also this claim that he could be in, in two places right at, at the same time um no it wasn't zoom y'all uh it wasn't zoom y'all <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't cell phones um but very very interesting things um when he died um a lot of people he was just kind of known to be such a really like um likable personable person okay um and, and and kind of he he grew, he had a lot of friendships around Lima and around everywhere where he would go because of that and because of of, of his his uh, tendency to be a, of service to others you know right. people liked him a lot and grew very fond of him when he died um, a lot of people went to his um, to his uh, funeral and took oh. little pieces of his habit. Really, off of him, and kept them as relics. As relics, uh, and it they is, probably didn't even realize that he was going to become a saint. Aha! Uh-huh. And it is said that th- there's so many people took pieces of this habit that at the end of the day, you could actually make two habits out of the many pieces that were taken. Kind of as in the sort, uh, kind of implying that there was a multiplication of the habit. Of the habit. Oh wow! Aha! Uh-huh. So first miracle, um, right yes, there. Yes, interesting. Um, and then super cool. Uh, you know, when after, so his body was actually buried uh, in the grounds of the Dominican monastery in Lima. Okay. After he died, um, the miracles and the graces he received when he was invoked um, kind of grew up, grew in popularity. That twenty five years later, he was his body was exhumed. Wow. So that it could be... Could be venerated. Venerated. Um, was that when he was... And beatified. Made, oh, I was going to say, he was that beatified. when he was made, made a blessing? 25 years later, his body was found intact. And and the people would describe this certain fragrance mm, coming from... From... from very nice. The coffin, yeah. And, and, and I, think, I think it's such a cool little... Yeah. Little... I mean, 25 years later, can you imagine being right. in the ground? And, I mean, there's not many saints that... There, there's a word for it, and I just had it, and it's escaping me. Yeah, no, I, I don't know the word myself, but, but there is a term you're right yeah. for, for describing that. And so he but, was... But yeah. there's very few, very few saints that that is actually... Yes. In, incorrupt. He, incorrupt. He was found incorrupt, yes. and there's very few saints that have been exhumed that have been found incorrupt. So anyway, you know, um, for the time that he lived in, and and for for everything that that was against them during that time, in terms of what he championed and believed them, because 
you know, uh, Peru was a colonized uh, territory. Uh, and, and of course, uh, not, not everybody had um, equal rights or, or equal um, benefits or, or access to opportunities. Um, as I say, you know, if you're Spanish uh, at the time, um, etc. So, you know, he, he actually did a lot to, to support and help the poor of his time. Um, and he advocated for the fair treatment of indigenous populations and, and uh, uh, people of African descent. Right. Um, so he was beatified by Pope Gregory the 16 back in the uh, in 1837, and then 125 years later, Pope John the 23rd canonized him canonized and him. made him saint. Very nice. Uh, May 1962, Very and nice. now he lives among the yes. uh, among the saints of the okay. church. And he's, um, so he's recognized by the Anglican Church, by the Church of England, and he's recognized by the Lutheran Church as well. Oh, wow. As a saint. Interesting. Um, so uh, he's mostly venerated in, uh, in the Caribbean, in right. South America, uh, places where, um, where Native and, and African uh, heritage is stronger. Um, but, you know, he, he is recognized by the church at large. Uh, and I think that what he did was pretty cool. Yeah, very. He was bros with other saints as he well. He was bros with other saints. And I love it. that's why he's the bro Catholic of the day. Oh, yes. and also just this past November 3rd, so we're recording this November 5th, so just two days ago. Two days ago was his feast was day. Was his feast day. Yes. Because he died in November 3rd. Yes. No no coincidence if you're going the ocean, there's no coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah. Yes. So send us your thoughts about St. Martin de Porres, growingoutcatholic uh, at gmail.com. Uh, send us a shout out on Facebook uh, at our page. Yes. So. Hit all the buttons, subscribe, send lots of comments, and yeah, hit all the buttons. Hit all the buttons. All the buttons, y'all. <laughs> well, I think we did a pretty solid job. What do yes, you think? I think we did too. I think so I think it's time to. To let our, our Belgrishners go get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, you know, uh, that is all from your broadcasters today. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Catholic and email us at Catholic at gmail.com with questions, suggestions, comments, anything you like. Yes. And also to find all the different platforms in which our broadcast is aired. aired please be sure to visit our, our About Us section on Facebook and find the platform that's best for you. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave us a review where you can tell us what you like. All right. Well, All right. I'm Luis. And I'm Taylor. We are your broadcasters. Peace of Christ out. out.